Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Ever feel like you just don't have enough? There's just all the demands, all the expenses, all the different things, and I, man, I just... There's just not enough. Like, how do, we, how do we do all of that? All the catalogs and all the ads and all the hustle and all the bustle and all the expectations and all the things, the decorations and the food preparation and the travel plans. I don't know about you, but before it gets started, it's just plain exhausting, isn't it? Before it's even over, and then we find ourselves as a skit portrayed sometimes just wishing Christmas away. Wishing, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Did you know that there will be over 150,000 toys on the market during Christmas? And that's just the toys alone. We're a nation consumed with consuming. Time Magazine says the average American spends $1,300 for, $1, for every $1,000 they make. And the problem is it's catching up with us. We, we didn't learn our lesson. We continue to overspend and overspend, and an economy can't handle that. We personally can't handle that. In fact, what do you call it when the output exceeds the input? Well, bodybuilders call it an overwork. Electricians call it overload. Bankers call it overdraft. And politicians call it no problem. <laughs> oh, boy, right? In a book called The Hunger for More, Searching for Values in an Age of Greed, which is not a Christian book, by the way. It actually was by the New York Times. The cover says more. There's a single word. There's not a single word that summarizes American hopes and dreams and obsessions more than that word more. More. In fact, more money, more success, more luxuries, more gizmos, more gadgets. We live in an age of more. We live for our next raise. We live for our next house. We live for things that we already have, as wonderful as they are. They pale in comparison to what we could have, should have, the next latest model of this or that. As soon as you buy it this Christmas, by March, it's outdated, and they're coming out with a new version. Anybody know what I'm talking about? More, 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 more. In his book, Traveling Light, author Max Lucado Uh, writes about a prison. Here's what he wrote. Come with me to the most populated prison in the world. The facility has more inmates than bunks, more prisoners than plates, more residents than resources. Come with me to the world's most oppressive prison. Just ask the inmates and they will tell you they are overworked and underfed. Their walls are bare and their bunks are hard. No prison is so populated, no prison so oppressive, and what's more, no prison more permanent. Most inmates never leave. They never escape. They never get released. They serve a life sentence in this overcrowded, under-provisioned facility. The name of the prison, you'll see it over the entrance, rainbowed over the gate are four cast iron letters that spell out its name. W-A-N-T. Want. The prison of want. You've seen her prisoners, they're in want. They want something. They want something bigger. They want something nicer. They want something faster. They want something thinner. They want. 
They don't want much, mind you. They just want one thing, one new job, one new car, one new house, one new spouse. Sounds like Dr. Seuss. They don't want much. They just want just one. Just one. And when they have one, they'll be happy. And they are right. They will be happy. And they will have one. They will leave the prison. But when that one happens, that new car smell passes. The new job gets old. The neighbors buy a larger television set. Uh, The new spouse has bad habits. The sizzle fizzles. And before you know it, another ex-con breaks parole and returns to jail. Are you in prison? This is the question that Max Lucator asks. You are if you feel better when you have more and worse when you have less. You are if joy is one delivery away, one transfer away, one award away, one makeover away. If your happiness comes from something you deposit, drive, or digest, then face it, you're in prison. You're in the prison of want. The bad news? (laughs) That's the bad news. The good news is you have a visitor. And your visitor has a message that you can get paroled. You can make your way to the receiving room, take your seat in the chair, look across the table at the psalmist David as he motions and leans forward and he says, I have a secret to tell you, the secret of satisfaction. And it's found in Psalm chapter 23 and verse 1 that simply says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When I was a little kid, I used to thought that meant, how could that um, Lord's my shepherd, I don't want him, I shall not want. No, that's not what that means. It means I shall not be in want. I shall not want. I shall not be in the prison of want when I learn to lean on the shepherd. When I learn to lean on the shepherd. David found the pasture where discontent goes to die. It's as if he's saying this, what I have in God is greater than what I don't have in life. What I have in God is greater than what I don't have in life. And today as we launch this new Christmas series that we're calling Travel Light, according to author Max Lucado, traveling light means trusting God with the burdens you were never intended to bear. And that's what we're going to look at. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at the burdens that we were never intended to bear. Oftentimes, as the skit portrayed, Christmas can can become a time where rather than experiencing the joy of Jesus and what it was all about, we get bogged down by all of the things that we were never meant to carry. We get bogged down by all of the weights and all of the stuff and all of the distractions and all of the hurt and the pain that gets resurfaced when we go visiting family and all of the things that we were never meant to carry. And rather than experience joy, we experience stress. And like the skit, we start wishing Christmas away rather than enjoying what Jesus came to bring. What God through Jesus came to give us. And so in this series, we're going to talk about letting go of distractions and letting go of bitterness and letting go of control. Oh, control. Some of you are saying, what week is that? I'd like to miss that week. Can I control my circumstances to miss that one? (laughs) Yet at the same time, we will find that there is something that we need to unload. And today we're going to talk about letting go, unloading, and learning to let go of stuff. Of stuff. We're going to talk about stuff. I, I just think there's no better Sunday to talk about stuff than after Black Friday and before Cyber Monday. Right? I talk about stuff, all right? And, uh, and, and so simply the thought for today is simply this. 
It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does matter. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does matter. You might want to write that down. Solomon shared some wisdom. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 6, he said this, Better one handful with tranquility, that's peace, than two handfuls of toil and chasing after the wind. One handful of peace than two of chasing after the wind. In other words, he's saying the same thing, that it's better to have less of what does or what doesn't matter than more of what does. The problem, everything in our culture screams the opposite. Human nature is something that is unsatisfied, always searching for more, always asking questions like, why do I always want more? Or what motivates me to never be satisfied with what I have? What motivates me to keep wanting more and more and more? What is behind all of that? And so what I want to do is I want to open with three misconceptions this morning. Three misconceptions that are found in our culture. The first one is this. Having more things will make me happier. Having more stuff will make me happier. Instead of things, we'll put stuff. Having more stuff will make me happier. The ads tell us that that's true. In fact, I found a a Coke ad online as I was preparing for this message that said, Open a Coke and open happiness. <laughs> Some of you say, well, not Coke. I prefer Pepsi. <laughs> All right, Coke people, raise up your hand. Pepsi people, raise up your hand. Oh, I think, oh, I don't know. That's pretty even. That's pretty even. Coke, you know, I mean, that's like Chevy or Ford or something else. I mean, you know, if I just have that, then I'll be happier. If you just drive this, you'll look successful, you'll be successful. If you just have this, you have more. And that's the idea, that if we have more, we're going to be more fulfilled. We're going to be more complete. We're going to be happier if we just have more. But the problem is, is that this is just a temporary feeling. And the problem is, is that as soon as you get that new iPhone, whatever version it is that it's up to, two months later they come out with something else and somebody else has it and you don't and you think, well, my phone's not as good anymore. I was so happy before and now I'm not happy. I just looked on Instagram and somebody just posted that they got this and I don't have that, right? The thrill goes away, the excitement, the boredom, and, and the problem is, is that things Things change, things change, but we don't. We can, but we don't. You know, I was thinking back to the, to the years, there was a video that popped up, maybe some of you saw it, a video that popped up on social media, I think it was this past week or the week before, that showed the cabbage patch craze. Anybody remember way back when? Some of you are too young to remember the cabbage patch phrase, uh, phase. But there was a time when these dolls called Cabbage Patch Kids were like the hit. And literally, uh, the store, people were fighting like on Black Black Friday. They were literally fighting. They were lined up. They wanted a ticket. They wanted this. I mean, there was like all-out brawls over that. Did anybody get one of those precious Cabbage Patch dolls for Christmas? You got it. Let me ask, where is it now? Parents who just had to have it for your kids and we had to wait in those lines and we got in fights over it and that's what's going to make my little precious baby happy this year. And then two months later, where is that thing? I don't know. Maybe it got dragged around for a year until next Christmas when the next thing came out and it's like, oh, what happened to that, right? The next thing, some of you don't even remember what you wanted and got last Christmas. Oh, hallelujah. 
was so good. We, we just think that if you have more stuff, it'll make you happier. But Ecclesiastes 5, 10, and 11, the Living Bible, he who loves money shall never have enough. The foolishness of thinking is that wealth brings happiness. The more you have, the more you spend. Uh-oh. In fact, Andy Rooney once said this, having enough is nowhere near as much fun as I thought it was going to be when I didn't have any. And there's a sign that, that read this, when I first started working, I used to dream of the day I would earn the salary I'm now starving on. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? I mean, there was a time, I remember I'm thinking, boy, if I could just make this wage, boy, if I could just make this wage, boy, and then you get to making that wage, and you're like, I, I still don't have enough to pay the bills. What is going on? Because we keep adding more stuff. Sure, it seems like enough. Sure, it seems it'll make us happy, but it's just temporary. The second misconception is this. Having more things will make me more important. If I have more stuff, I'll be more important. I will have arrived. People will respect me. People will say you're successful. People will say that you have arrived. The problem is, is, is that my valuables don't determine my value. And when we start looking at valuables in terms of determining my value and my importance, the problem is when we have little, we feel little. And when we have much, then we get puffed up and we think we are much when we're not. Since I like to be liked and I like to be looked up to, then I continually try and strive for more. You know, some people think they've got to keep up with the Joneses. Anybody ever heard that phrase before? You know, but don't worry about the Joneses. They just refinanced. That's the problem. The fact is we buy things that we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. Right? It doesn't make us happy. It doesn't last. In fact, Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, we have this warning in Scripture. Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Friends, don't, don't get confused. Don't confuse your net worth for your self-worth. Don't confuse that. Ask yourself the tough questions. Am I expecting that more things will make me happy? Am I expecting that if I have more, if I, then I'll be more important? That is the problem. Be on guard. Continually evaluate yourself. Thirdly, having more things will make me more secure. We live in a society where we think that, that if we can just achieve a certain level of financial independence, that we will have financial security. But I'm going to tell you that just as soon as it can blow in, it can blow out just that fast. You never know when the next crisis, when the next thing will come up. And money is not a place where you can find your security and your peace. But we live in a society today that believes that. That if you have more, you will be more secure. But the more you have, the more time and energy it takes to maintain. The more insurance you have to buy for it. The more protection you have to buy for it. The more that goes in, the more that you have to do, the bigger the house, the bigger the bills, the bigger the payments, the bigger the repairs. Right? The more vehicles you have, the more you've got to get them maintained. And the more they need, the more brakes. And they need more tires. And they need more oil changes. And they need more of this. And they need more of that. More, 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 more. The more I have, the more I must maintain. And the more things I have, the more stuff goes on my calendar. The more I have to work, the more hours I have to work, the less hours I get to spend with my family and the more stressed out I am. But hey, I've got more and I'm secure. 
I'm so secure that I've got to continue to maintain this level of security by filling up my calendar with all kinds of more. See, that's where we have gotten off. In fact, Proverbs 18, 11 says, The rich man thinketh his wealth as an impregnable defense, a high wall of safety. What a dreamer. The good news version of Proverbs 23, 4 says, Be wise enough not to wear yourself out trying to get rich. Your money can be gone in a flash. The only real security that we have is when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is our only provider. He's the place where we truly find the security that we have is in our relationship with God. So the question comes down to why do I always want more? Because more makes me think that I'll be happier if I have more. I'll be more important if I have more. I'll be more secure if I have more. But that's the lies that we've, bought, that we've gotten into. So how do, we, how do we unbreak ourselves? So as we enter into a season where there's a lot of accumulation of a lot of stuff, Nieces and nephews, I think there's like seven or 11 in the skit, nieces or nephews, and, and I got this brother and this sister, and I got to buy this, and I got to buy that, and then I wind up in January, and I'm like, ah, I can't do it all. How do I do it? How do we, how do we unbreak ourselves of this? How do we learn to travel light and experience the true joy that Jesus offers? Let me give you five action steps to let go of the stuff. Five action steps to let go of the stuff. The first is this, remove the clutter. All right, let me just put it this way, learn to throw away. <laughs> You've got to throw away. We've got to remove the clutter. There, there's got to be things that are in a closet, things that are somewhere, things that are piled up that we don't need anymore that are crowding out the good things. What do editors, heart surgeons, personal trainers, and professional organizers all have in common? What do they all have in common? They all face a challenging task, whether it's unnecessary words Blockage in an artery, excessive weight, hoarder, hoarded clutter. They must facilitate the elimination of what's bad or what's redundant to make room for what's good and what's needed. Do you know what they call it in spiritual terms and in gardening terms? They call it pruning. Pruning. You can't just add, 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 add. You can't just add, add, add to your schedule. You only have, we all get the same amount of time. You can't just add, 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 add all of this stuff. At some point, you've got to learn how to throw away. You've got to learn how to prune back. You've got to learn how to remove the clutter. Today, I'm going to be honest with you, one of the financial challenges today is that everything is a subscription service. Music? Well, it used to be that you'd get this, this, this record, Right? And the record was huge, and then it went down to a 45, and then it was an 8-track. I'm thinking I'm missing something in between there. And then it was this little cassette tape, and then it moved to a CD, right? And then it moved to these digital things that you download, and now it's subscription services. You can listen to whatever you want for a monthly subscription. TV, get rid of your cable, but you can offer, we can offer you Netflix and Hulu and, and this and that, and you got to add this and that, and by the time you add it up, you're actually paying more than you are for cable a month. You just don't realize it because everything is a smaller payment. Add this, add that, add this, add that, and before you know it, you end up with, well, how come I don't have enough in my budget? How come I can't make it? I know I'm getting into some practical things, right? You've got to remove the clutter. You've got to learn how to cancel some things out. You've got to say, do I really need this? Is this what I really, but everybody has it. 
How many remember that as a kid? Some of you have that problem as an adult. We've got to learn how to prune back. Pruning on a vine, there's excessive growth, and the gardener will prune it back so it doesn't take away the nutrients of the vines where he wants to see the fruit produced. By pruning back and cutting back, it actually makes the vine healthier, and you see a much better crop. Likewise, if you want to see greater joy in your life, you've got to learn to evaluate and prune back the stuff, the buying of more stuff, the calendar that is filled with more stuff or more things so that you can have and enjoy what matters most. There was a young man. He had a lot of wealth, but he wasn't happy. He wasn't happy. I know he wasn't happy. You can see it. And and we know this because of the question that he asked Jesus. Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, it says that a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, what do I do? How do I know that there's this eternity? How can I experience this eternal life? And Jesus follows him by telling him, you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You should not steal, you should not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. In other words, those things haven't done it for me. I've tried to be a very good boy. I've been a very good boy this Christmas. I'm on Santa's nice list. I, I really did try to follow all of the rules. I tried to obey all of the rules. I, I, I tried the religion thing, and, 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 and I have all of that. And the problem was, this was a man who was also of great wealth and of great position. In fact, the Bible calls him a rich young ruler. So he had wealth, he had position, and he tried his best to follow all the rules of religion. And yet there was something that he was still lacking. There was something that was still missing from his life. Something in which he was not experiencing joy. And so Jesus looked at him, and notice it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him, Mark 10, 21. One thing you lack, one thing you lack, here's one thing you lack. Look at the pruning. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. And this man's face fell. Everybody goes, yeah, of course, go sell it. What are you talking about, Jesus? And he went away sad because he had great wealth. The intention that Jesus had was not to be mean to this man. The intention that Jesus had was not to be harsh. The intention that Jesus had was not to be a taker from this man, but rather Jesus recognized that there were some things security-wise, hope-wise, happiness-wise, that he was putting into his wealth and into his position that were not reaping what he truly desired and what he truly needed. And Jesus says, you've got to get that out of the way so that you can truly follow me. You've got to let that go. You've got to let that go. You've got all this stuff that you've been leaning on, relying on, all this stuff you've been looking to, and you've got to remove this stuff so that you can follow me, and I will meet what you've been lacking. In other words, as Frozen 2 just came out, let it go, let it go, (laughs) right? Let it go. So my question for you is, what do you need to let go What do you need to let go of? What do you need? Listen, wealth is not the issue here. Money is not the issue here. Money is neutral. Money is neutral. It's what it does to us. The love of money is the root of all evil. But money itself is neutral. This is not about wealth. Some of the best men of faith in the Bible had wealth. Abraham had wealth. David had wealth. His son Solomon had wealth. 
wealth. There was wealth in the Bible. God blessed them. But it's not about possessing these things. It's about not being possessed by our possessions. That's what it's all about. It's not being defined by our stuff. It's, it's, it, it's wrong when you believe that your stuff is actually what you need in order to be happy, in order to be fulfilled, in order to, to have that peace. That's when we're locked in. That's when we're in the prison of want. When we look to those things to fill a void in our lives. Hey, does anybody know how they trap monkeys in the zoo? I found this interesting. If you want to find out how they get monkeys trapped in the zoo, what they do is they take a coconut and they put a little hole in the, in the coconut and they attach the coconut by a chain to a tree. And on the other side, they, they put some candy. So the monkeys come up all curious and they stick their hand in and they grab a hold of the candy. But the problem is when they make their fist, the hole's not big enough for their fist to come back through and so they're trapped and they can't get the coconut because it's attached to the tree and they keep hanging on and you know what monkeys are so dumb that even when somebody is coming up and ready to take them and put them in captive and I don't want to hear all the PETA emails okay all right I didn't do this this is what they do even when they do that the monkey the monkey is trapped because all the monkey has to do to be free is to let go of the candy but the monkey won't let go of the candy instead just keeps hanging on and therefore is continually trapped Lest we think the monkey is stupid, there are some of us that the Lord is saying, let go. You want joy, you want peace, you want less stress. There are some things you've got to let go, but you just keep hanging on because that's, my, that's what I'm hanging on to. That's what's meaningful to me. That's what makes me happy. That's what I think needs to make me important and successful. That's what I need. And Jesus is saying, let go because I want to bring you freedom. I've got freedom. So what is it? What is it that you need to let go of? What is it that you need to let go of? What is it that you need to give away back to the Lord? We can get possessed by our possessions. If you own anything, a house, a car, a bank account, a nice guitar, anything, and if God told you to give it away and you're not free to give it away, then you don't own it. It owns you. It owns you. We tend to be possessed by our possessions. Let me encourage you, remove the clutter. Throw away the things that are holding you back from true joy. Secondly, resist comparing what I have to others. Resist comparisons. This is a trap, and social media just feasts on this trap, right? I mean, we, the, the skit talked about it this morning. You know, oh, my sister's house was so nice. Oh, my sister's house had all these. They had cloth napkins. Oh my goodness, cloth napkins, can you believe it? Everything, their little twinsies were all dressed just perfect and they looked like they came out of a pottery barn commercial, right? They were a pottery barn picture. Right? Everything was just, it was just so perfect. It was just, and you look and you go, we're just not that perfect. In fact, we're a bit of a mess. You know, I mean, I can't, I'd hardly get us out the door on time, let alone everything else. And you start to feel bad and you start to get stressed. Why? Because of comparison. Well, I don't, I don't have the nice tree. I don't have the nice house. I didn't be, I'm not able to provide the nice gifts. I can't give all of that. I can't do all of that. And it sucks your joy away. Comparison is a trap that always leads to nothing less, nothing but less contentment and accumulating more. Second Corinthians 10, 12, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commended themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. 
Corinthians says it's not wise. Comparing yourself to somebody else is not wise because there is always going to be somebody that has it better than you. No matter how up the ladder you go, somebody will always have it better than you. Just ask people in professional sports. As soon as somebody gets paid the multi-million dollar contract, somebody else comes along and next year they want more. And so they get the bigger contract. And before you know it, we've got ourselves in this outpaced society where our, our athletes are getting paid way more than they deserve. And our teachers... And those that really do things that matter can barely make ends meet. That was extra. If we're not careful, our comparisons will ruin our relationships. That's what comparisons do. They make us jealous. They make us envious. And, and before we know it, we find our relationships in a rub. And it's simply because we are comparing ourselves and then we get angry at God why aren't I blessed like that look at that they're not they don't even know Jesus they're not even following Christ they're living their way and look at all they have I'm following you and I'm struggling just to rub two pennies together and if you don't if you're not careful it not only ruins your joy but it begins to impact your relationship with others and your relationship with the Lord we've got to resist the urge to compare what we do have or what we don't have to others. Thirdly, rejoice in what I do have. Here's what Ecclesiastes 6.9 says, Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless like chasing after the wind. Enjoy what you have. Isn't that what we just came off of with Thanksgiving? Wasn't Thanksgiving about enjoying what we have? It's about enjoying what we have and not allowing what we don't have to creep into enjoying and being content with the things that we have, with the things that truly matter. I think it's easy to forget why we're grateful. I think we need to reflect on those things more often about the things that we are grateful for, the things that we are thankful for, enjoying and thanking and praising God for the things that we do have rather than worrying about all the things that we don't have. What do we have? If you walked in today and you're healthy, then you have that because there are others that are in here that are battling things and that are not. And you need to be grateful. In fact, if we woke up this morning, if you drove here and you had a car that you drove in and you were able to get here, that's more than what other people have. But you don't understand, my car is not very good. It's still better than somebody that doesn't have one. We need to enjoy what we do have. I mean, we need to enjoy this beautiful church that we're sitting in. The fact that we have heat this morning, that we have light this morning. I was in Tanzania a couple years ago, and, and there were a couple of tents. There was a church we went into, and they were trying to, they had to pay for it as they went. And so it had, part of the brick was there, and part of the brick wasn't there. And the floor was completely dirt. They were sitting on those plastic, those, those, uh, those plastic chairs that you put out in front of your house. Gardening chairs. We have these nice pews. We need to rejoice in what we do have rather than what we don't. Hebrews 13, 5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In fact, contentment is really found in understanding who is with us, not what we have. For I will never leave you nor forsake you. It is found in the contentment of our relationship with Christ. But contentment is not a natural quality. 
It's easy. It's not easy, excuse me, to be content in our society. Not when you've got four or 5,000 advertising messages every day, hundreds of thousands of dollars spent to tell you that you can't be happy unless you have something that you don't have. That you're not happy because you don't have this. You need this. G.K. Chesterton says this. He says, there's two ways to have enough. One, get more, or two, desire less. <laughs> if you desire less, then you'll be content without having to get more. Fourthly, return the first 10% back to God. It's the principle of the tithe. It's seen before there were any Ten Commandments. All right, this is not, this is in the, not even in the Ten Commandments. Back in the Old Testament, Abraham had gone off after his nephew Lot. He had gone, Lot went to live near Sodom and Gomorrah. They separate, I'm going to go to the well water, plain, water plains of the Jordan. And while he was there and near Sodom, there were armies that came in. They took the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah captive. They carried them away. They carried their possessions. And, and Abraham got word that his nephew Lot had been carried away and his family and that this had happened. And so he gathered his servants and he, he had some people that he had, he had joined up with. And they weren't a real army, but they went after them. And the Lord protected them and they were able to deliver and bring back and rout the enemy that had taken Lot captive and as they came back the king of Sodom said here all of this all of the plunder all of this you're you're gonna get it Abraham because of what you did and Abraham said no 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 I don't I don't want it there's some people that came with me that I joined up with you can bless them I don't want it because I don't want anybody to say they made me rich but God I'm not going to do it. But Abraham, in order to keep himself from greed, in order to keep himself from being puffed up, and in order to worship the Lord who had provided the protection and provided for him, returned to a, a priest by the name of Melchizedek. He gave him a tithe of everything that he had. He gave him a tithe of everything that he had. Why? That was the, the tithe was a way in which the priest could, could, be, it, it could be given to God's work. Likewise, his grandson Jacob, when he had, he had just kind of messed up his whole life, Jacob was a deceiver, he had kind of messed up and all of that, and, and, and then he became aware of God's love and mercy and grace. God had encountered him, and he became aware of that, and he made this commitment to do the same. Genesis 28, 20 to 22, that Jacob made a vow saying, if God be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I will come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up as a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a tenth to you. You know what this is the principle of? It's not the principle of the tithe, it's the principle of the trust. It's saying, I don't want to be possessed by my possessions. I, I don't want my life to be lived by my own hand and my own ability to produce wealth, but I constantly want to remember that it is God who provides all, provides me with everything that I have, and the way that I do that, and I don't allow possessions and money and everything else to get a hold of my heart, is I'm going to trust the Lord with it, and I'm going to return it back to Him. And the Bible calls that the tithe. When you begin to return that back and you give the first 10% of what, you, what the Lord blesses you with, what he gives you, you return it back to him. You're saying, Lord, thank you so much. I recognize, number one, that you're my provider. I recognize that, that you are the one that provides everything that I need. And, and two, I trust you. So I want to worship you. I want to do it out of a thankful heart. And I want to do it out of an act of worship. And so I give this to you. I give you the tithe because I trust you that you're able to provide for me everything that I need. 
that, you, that I can live off the 90% because I trust you and you will provide. Why is that important? The antidote for materialism is to learn to give to God first because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Our heart follows our treasure. So where you invest, where you invest is where your heart will be. Command those who are rich in this present world. Well, that's not me. Well, this present world, I, I, if you take a look at the world's economy and your economy, I'd say that everybody in here is rich. Command those who are rich. It's a command. Those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And returning the tithe is a way in order which we put our trust in God and we break the power of materialism over our lives. We must learn how to trust him to provide for what we need for our enjoyment and for our fulfillment. And finally, number five, refocus on permanent values. Just like the skit opened the message, the couple came to the, to the idea that they needed to refocus around Christmas on what was really important. They need to refocus their lives. It wasn't about uh, all the travel. It wasn't about all the gifts. It wasn't about the cloth napkins. It wasn't about the fancy decorations. It wasn't about the fancy matching outfits and matching pajamas that you can put on Facebook or Instagram so that everybody sees that your family's all nice and peaceful and matchy-matchy, at least in that moment. Um, you know, it, it's not about all of the stress of those things, but it's about Jesus Christ. It's about that he came to give. And that's not only at Christmas time, but that is in January and February and March. And then all of a sudden we come to April and it's Easter. Oh, the cross, hallelujah. And we stick around for Mother's Day because we want to make mom happy. And we there and then all of a sudden the schedules fill up again and we fill up with summer and we blast through and then fall and then everything. And oh, we got to get back to what's important. Refocus on what's important. Refocus on what's important it's not on the stuff it's not on the list it's not on all of those things that we can get caught up in the decorations and the food and the parties to impress but it's about Jesus Colossians 3 2 set your mind on things above not on earthly things looking life at life from God's viewpoint realizing that possessions are temporary and focusing on what's going to last forever Everything material will eventually vanish. What matters most is not what we can accumulate, the stuff, but it's about who we invest in. It's about the relationships that we invest in. And so I want to encourage you to invest in things that matter for eternity. Matthew 6, 19 and 21, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and, and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So let me encourage you this Christmas to focus on what really matters. Focus on Christ, focus on his salvation, focus on peace and joy that he offers. Focus on your family and not the gifts, but the meaningful time spent enjoying one another's company. As we begin this Christmas, let me encourage you to travel light. And the first way that we're going to travel, the first baggage that we're going to unload today is we're going to let go of stuff. I'm going to invite the worship team to come.
Don't buy into the lie that you need more to be happy, that you need more to be important, that you need more to be secure. Let those things that you're holding tightly to, let them go. And learn to joyfully give and trust that the Lord will provide all that you need. Refocus on what really matters. I want to close with a few questions. I want to close with a few questions. I know the worship team's coming can be a distraction, but I want, I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. I, I want you to fill in the blank. I will be happy when. I will be happy when. What is your when? I will be happy when. What is the when? When I'm healed? When I'm promoted? When I'm married? When I'm single? When I'm rich? When I have that new car? When I, when I, when I achieve that level of success? I will be happy when. When what? With that firmly in your mind, let me ask you this question. If your ship never comes in, if your dreams never come true, if your situation never changes, if you never achieve that promotion, if you never get to the level where you can buy that house, if you never get to the place where you, where you, where you have that when, when I, this will make me happy, if you never get to that place, could you be happy? Could you be happy? You see, we have a God who hears. And he wants to come in and he wants to be what makes us happy in life. He wants to be where our true source of joy and contentment and peace is at. That if this never happens, if the whatever it is when never happens, can I find my contentment in the Lord? Can I find what he truly wants to give me? Can I let go and surrender that into his hands? Can I put it in his hands? Can I let it go in his hands and say, okay, Lord, I lay it down. Okay, Lord, I'm putting it on the cross. Okay, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm laying it down. I'm letting it go. Can you trust the Lord for what he has? For what he wants for you? for what he desires in your life so that you can truly experience joy and peace in this life. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here today and you say, you know what, there's some things I've got to let go of. There's some things I've been hanging on to. There's some things that I know of, some stuff I know of that some striving or some, some, some dream, something that I have. And, and I, I just, I've been hanging on and the Lord is speaking to me today and he's saying, will you trust me with it? Will you, can you let it go? Can you let it into my hands? Can you, can you put it with me? Can you, can, you, can you let it go today? Is there something that you need to surrender today to the Lord? I just want you to slip up your hand today. There's something I need to let go of. Pastor, will you pray for me? There's something I need to let go of. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Secondly, you're here this morning and you'd say, you know, I've never surrendered my life to Christ. In order to find that true joy, I, I need salvation. I need to surrender my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And this Christmas, that's the way I want to begin, by surrendering my life to Jesus who died for me. If that's you, will you slip up your hand? I want to surrender my life to Christ. 
I want to give my life to Christ. I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ today. Come on, can we stand today? And I want us to pray. And if you raised up your hand that there's something you need to surrender to the Lord, as we pray, I just want you to confess it to him. I just want you to confess it to him. Lord, I'm giving you this. Lord, I'm letting go of this. If it's a step you need to take today, if there's a step you need to take, something you need to take forward today to the Lord, you may need some action steps after this. You may need to go and physically do something today, physically get rid of something today. But whatever it is, but today begin by surrender. Lift up your hands and say, Lord, I surrender whatever it is to you. Come on, just say that today. I surrender this to you. I've been waiting for this to come in. It isn't happening and it's making me unhappy. But Lord, I'm surrendering it. I'm trusting, to, I'm trusting you. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. I'm putting it in your hands. Father, right now, I just pray for your infusion of joy and peace, Lord. And Father, you'll break that, whatever that is, you'll break its hold in our lives. You'll break whatever that is causing discontent. You'll break whatever that is that's causing a lack of peace and a lack of joy. Father, you will just set free from the prison right now of want. The prison, God, of whatever it is that we're hanging on to, whatever it is we're looking to. Father, in the name of Jesus, we surrender, and I pray it broken right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, we commit it into your hands, and we bless you. We bless you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We're going to close with a song of worship to the Lord. And as we do, if you want prayer this morning, maybe you're in need of healing this morning. Maybe you're in need of encouragement this morning. Maybe you're battling something this morning. Or maybe you just want to come and you just want to make a step forward to say, God, I surrender to you and just come down to these altars. We're just going to open the altars this morning and just let us come to a time of prayer as we close with this time of worship this morning. If you want prayer, will you come? Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.